Hello, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. Step right up, step right up, it's Harry and Rory, two brothers who are doing a podcast together, much like an old-timey 30s radio show, but in podcast form, and I'm going to stop trying to talk like an old-timey guy because I cannot keep up with myself. But it's Games on Film, the podcast that celebrates video game movies, and we are stepping aside from movies again, going back to Netflix animation again, but with something completely different to Arcane. Rory, do you want to tell us what it is? Yes, we are looking at the first season of the Cuphead show, which debuted with 12 episodes in February of this year, 2022. It's funny to think that this is an animation style almost like a 100 years old, isn't it? And, um, you know, when I was a kid, 100 years old seemed like a long time ago. And now I feel like we're seeing the pop culture, like the ancient pop culture is becoming more modern. I don't know. I just, <laughs> Harry's concept of time today is a little bit stretchy, much like the characters contained in Cuphead. It just a just hundred years ago seems closer every time. That's it. <laughs> well, I think it's because, yes, you lived closer to that a hundred years ago. At least you were born at that time. So you remember stuff which was, you know... A hundred years ago when you were born is very different to a hundred years ago now. Yes. So you've experienced more of that time. So it's more like sort of 70 or 60 years before you were born, if that made sense. Yeah. I th- yeah. I think when I was born a hundred years ago, there was lots of stuff about the very first ever cinema. You know, the first, the first films done by the like, Lumieres and things like that. And little did they know like 70, 80 years, 100 years from then, uh, Uwe Boll will be making cinematic masterpieces <laughs> for us to podcast about. Yeah. I mean, back in their day, they weren't podcasting about any cinema. I always like to imagine people stepping from that time, stepping through a time warp and encountering like Uwe Boll's House of the Dead or Far Cry or like, you know, just trying to think of other films we've covered, like The Wizard. If they stepped through the portal and saw The Wizard, A, what did they make with it? B, do you think they'd stop what they're doing? Uh, C, would they just think this is wonderful and they'd come back and they'd just make all sorts of films about, I don't know, a group of kids going on a road trip but wanting to go to a penny arcade? (laughs) He's really good at backgammon. Exactly. Yeah, I, I kind of, uh, I, I do wonder what, um, you know, anyone would take from modern culture. There's a lot about modern culture I don't like even now, so <laughs> it's quite it's quite tricky. Um, so yes, this is the Cuphead show based on the video game Cuphead, and that has been quite, quite a skyrocketing achievement, I think, because. Um, it was created, like this podcast, by two brothers who had a, a real fascination with 
30s animation. Um, and I'm also interested that this is basically their first game, their first ever game studio. It was like that lovely story where people didn't know enough not to try. Mm. And, and what were the name of the brothers? Uh, Chad and Jared Moldenhauer uh, from mm. Canada. And I, th- and I think a lot like my, um, I mean, we're big fans of The Evil Dead. Uh, and that's another example of a film being created by people who who didn't um know any better (laughs) know any better yeah i mean i did film at university and i think there's this sort of push pull between studying film and or just going out and doing it and learning on the fly and they've got different strengths but i feel there's just so many well i say there's so many examples of like genius happening in that sphere of just doing it but you don't think about all the countless like absolute failures you never hear about Mm. and so who knows but yes looking i've read i've seen some like hour-long documentaries and interviews with the creation of the game and it's kind of like a i wouldn't say it's a family business but the game itself seems to be there's a lot of brothers and cousins and other family members working on the game or close friends so it does seem to have been quite a passion project as well. Yeah. And I, I think what the, um, I think it became instantly iconic the moment it was revealed. I think it was first sh- shown, I think it was originally an Xbox exclusive and it was shown in 2014. I think I got round to playing it. I played a demo of it in 2015, I believe at EGX. But even by that time, it had built up a lot of hype just because in an age of very simplistic looking pixel art focused indie games, this went with a direction which was completely unique, but also very familiar. No one had seen a game, I believe, looking like this, but it was also incredibly authentic because, as you say, it takes us inspiration from those cartoons of the 1930s and it has characters which i believe is known as rubber hose characters is what it's called where yes the expression of her a lot in these interviews yeah so it's it's basically where the characters don't actually have joints necessarily with their limbs so that's why they're called rubber hose because all their limbs are basically just like one kind of cylinder and can stretch and do whatever to accommodate the uh, animation so it's a very sort of distinctive flavor of animated character um and of course the sort of main and most famous character that came from that time was mickey mouse and in cuphead you have certain elements of iconography the main cuphead character has the red shorts has uh, similar shoes has the gloves but you look at a range of characters at that time and they all have a very similar build and a very similar look and it plays a lot with the kind of the physics of the world that the cartoon characters inhabit so to have a game which i believe the the frames of the animation were all hand drawn um as well yes the game yeah Mm. and so incredible it just uh looks like an interactive cartoon of that era um and it's still impresses i don't you know obviously you can't make a game now in that style without people thinking oh well that's just a cuphead ripoff and 
maybe it's a sort of a case that because it's such a fine example of that, other stuff has maybe suffered in terms of creativity. I'd love a whole raft of games which did more stuff and everything, it seems, with the indie platform stuff. A lot of pixel art, which is fine, but it gets a bit tiresome after a while yeah, having everything in so... that style. <laughs> I, yeah, I've just got to the point where I get very disappointed. And it's that horrible thing because making beautiful pixel art is an, is an art, mm, full stop. Mm. Um, but, you know, I sometimes see in like the download shop, I'm looking for something cyberpunk. I type in cyberpunk, get all these great sort of thumbnails, which is effectively the box art. And then you watch the video of the actual game and it's like, Oh, this just looks just ever ever so slightly better than Missile Command. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, man. So, yeah, I think just like with, say, Jurassic Park, it's just like, okay, no one can make movies about dinosaurs now because you've got Jurassic Park. Um, it's a shame we're not seeing even more uh, games which, you know, hark back even to sort of other eras of, of uh, animation. And maybe there are out there, and I just don't know them, but Cuphead really sort of, uh, really captured people's imaginations even before it was released. And it was released in 2017 and immediately successful. But I don't think at the same time when it was first announced and revealed, anyone quite knew what they were getting themselves in for because beyond the artistic style, Cuphead has also become synonymous with extreme difficulty. Yeah, so I was a bit nervous about downloading and owning this game i had played it at a demo uh, or should i say i played a demo <laughs> and yeah i didn't do very well but when i knew that yeah we're going to do this podcast i bit the bullet and i downloaded it and it's a funny thing when you talk about difficulty because it is hard i'll say it's more challenging because because it's a modern game I mean, just, just to explain what the game is, we've talked about the art style a lot, but it's a run-and-gun shooter in the same mould as things like Contra. And those games, I feel, can be extremely unfair. That's the crucial mm. thing. They are... I don't think... I think there's a lot of spray and pray in terms of what the enemies are doing. So, I mean, actually, one genre I really, really just can't as much as i try playing i never can get very far in like r type type games where you're a spaceship mm. and the screen is full of little bullets bullet hell and it, as they're known bullet hell <laughs> and it seems just really unfair it it seems as much luck more more luck than skill and there's certainly if you like that genre i've got there's no problem there i like pinball games a lot and that's as much luck as skill as well but in a, maybe in my brain slightly more manageable way but i think cuphead from what i gathered from the development videos i watched and things again this was made by a group of people who loved games and perhaps had been play their, their education was playing games and through They've taken a genre they really like and filtered it through a modern sensibility. And I think what the game is mostly boss fights, and I also love Metroid, and that's one of the best things about Metroid are the boss fights. No, Nothing in the game is unfair. It just requires a lot of uh, learning um, like patterns, routines of the enemies. Um, I have to admit, 
I've not gone past the first world. The game has split into worlds and I've done the first world. So I, I pr- maybe I've yet to hit the wall. Mm. But um, I think it only seems challenging in a world where like so many companies are making are giving us easy modes and giving us ways to see the whole game and you know i'm approaching 40 now i get that i rely on cheat pages on websites far more because i i sometimes have only an hour a day after work after chores after all my responsibilities to play a game and i don't want to be stuck trying to find like a hidden key or something, you know. Particularly when it's retro games where they were deliberately unforgiving. And man, Mm. I hit that rewind button and reload suspend points on a constant basis. I've got not got time to lose a life (laughs) and go back to the start. I think think the beauty of modern games is that I think you, you can't most things are a deliberate choice i say i say most in quotation marks i'm just thinking back to when we did our castlevania episode and i I mentioned using the rewind button a lot there because i think a lot of the times you die in that it feels just like a a failure of the technology in a way Mm. it just feels like like bad clipping and stuff like that and it feels unfair um but yeah, I mean, as we're talking about the difficulty, I think one thing we should sort of address is that with the animation style and the game's difficulty, like in the years since Cuphead got released, or I should say really around about the time Cuphead got released, um, there's a lot of quote-unquote controversy about, like, is it ableist because it's so difficult? And is it racist because it takes... Um, like its animation style from an extremely racist period of history. Yes, because um, I think even I saw an interview and I, I watched the clip, but the character of Cuphead um, hmm. was inspired by a character who appears in a, in a Japanese wartime propaganda animation where an army of Mickey Mouses like rain bombs on this peaceful Japanese tropical right. island. And there's this character which is doesn't look like Cuphead, but has the same same kind of has a cup head shape and has like a straw coming out of his head. Uh, but then he, then he morphs into a tank and <laughs> starts firing cannon fire at um, these army of uh, demonic Mickey Mouses. Mickey Mice. Mickey Mouse? Miss? Yes. What's the plural <laughs> of Mickey? Mickey Mises. <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I have watched some, a video um, by a YouTuber called Sean, which isn't very helpful. But if you search for uh i think fake outrage of cuphead it actually sort of breaks down all those sort of focus points that i've mentioned about ableism and about racism and i it does seem a lot of the the flashpoints for these discussions come from bad faith misinterpretations of headlines for example um the what there's one article about um, is it, you know, should video games cater? Uh, you know, is 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 Cuphead ableist? And that's a question, uh, maybe a provocative headline. But the actual article itself was 
basically just having like an a discussion point about that and it was not actually slating cuphead at all it was just a discussion about ableism in video games i think that's the problem with headlines on the internet is that mm. and i i think it's really sort of disingenuous when people use those as the clickbaity headline because they know that 90 percent of people aren't going to read the article they're just going to yeah. share it and get outraged and i know i was following um uh the critic robbie collin on twitter and there was an interview with andrew garfield and the headline which was on twitter was saying i think anyone should be able to play any role otherwise it's the death of imagination and he was lambasting people taking these this headline as bad faith and not reading the article and you know looking at the discussion the nuanced points and it was just you know upsetting the andrew garfield fans and he was saying that was disingenuous. It's just like, well, actually, it's disingenuous for The Telegraph to use that as the headline because mm. they know that's going to generate the press. And also it's behind a paywall, so no one's going to click through to pay to read. Um, yes. So I kind of feel like it's 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 one of those things where it's just like this is the internet as it exists now. So you always have to read beyond the headline. Yeah, there's not much nuance and... It's um, this video, which again, I'd recommend you watch um, sort of it's it's summation was that video gamers, they simultaneously want their um, their games to be treated like legitimate art and that, which they absolutely are. But they sort of forget that like art invites discussion, mm. it invites nuanced discussion and people become they clutch their pearls if we for a moment say let's just think about where this animation style comes from yeah as any art form let's have a discussion about the politics or let's have a marxist interpretation of this or let's have a feminist interpretation of this it's just like mm. you know it's criticism isn't necessarily like oh, this got 7 out of 10 when it's clearly an 8 out of 10 game? <laughs> That's not what criticism is. Yeah, like, again, people are... The, some of these bad faith videos saying, everyone's saying, everyone's saying, everyone's giving bad reviews to Cuphead because of how difficult it is, and it's got, like, 85 on Metacritic yeah. and things, so... But, you know, hey, if if you want to cancel us, we you we cancel at minute 19 <laughs> <laughs> of this pod. But, um... Anyway, I thought it was just worth a discussion that I think there is definitely more knowledgeable people out there to talk about it. But I think what we're here to do is to talk about how the game translates into this cartoon show. So uh, let's give it a look. This is where I'd probably put a trailer. <laughs> Muggsy, what we need is a little fun and adventure. Con evil. Cuphead, I'm not so sure. You know what I do when I'm not so sure? I double down! What does that even mean? Wow! <laughs> Let me introduce you to some friends of mine. Roll the dice! It's 
So for a video game which is inspired by a cartoon animation style of a bygone era, the idea of then translating that back into a cartoon, I guess, in a way, has the same issues that we encounter quite a lot with the video game movies on the show, where it's a video game which is very heavily influenced by film, and then they make a film of that video game, and it's sort of like this regurgitation of influences kind of like thrown up on the screen um, and whether it actually does anything interesting or different with that. Um, but so this show was developed by Dave Wasson, who also recently directed the recent run of Mickey Mouse shorts, or at least a bunch yes, of them, which, which I think yeah. I hyped it earlier for, for some, I can't even remember what we're talking about, but in a re previous episode, I was hyping those quite a lot. Yeah. So it seems like a kind of, because I know you very much like those Mickey Mouse shorts and they're a, an attempt to obviously take this incredibly well-recognized character and do something fresh while also trying to do a kind of thing that vibes with the original, I guess, sort of shorts that made his name. I can't remember where it was, but there's that thing where it's like, oh, my favorite character of all time is Mickey Mouse. He's so funny. And it's just like... <laughs> like no like no one has ever thought mickey mouse is funny he just became well, this emblem of when Disney. i've been trying to hype those mickey mouse shorts to people you know there's you say oh these mickey mouse cartoons are really good and people roll their eyes because i think the public persona of mickey mouse has become like he's more goofy i'm gonna say he's more goofy but that doesn't <laughs> work does it but yeah he's more of a boy blue scout than superman he's such a goody goody two shoes mm. But what's really good about these shorts is that Mickey's become much more human and, cap and capable of jealousy and wants and maybe doing bad things to get what he wants. Um, you know, he's also, he's a good person, but he feels so much more engaging in these shorts. Yeah, and I, I sort of think that is probably more like how he used to be. Um, and I think that's what's interesting about the sort of characterization of cuphead and of mugman and the characters in this and um when i was watching this i was reminded of so our grandmother had a bunch of animation videos like compilation vhs's yeah from when she grew up in the 30s <laughs> or whatever yeah. the um, old vhs tapes <laughs> Let me just sort of set the steamer, put a little bit of board water in there, <laughs> make the tape go. We need more coal for the video recorder. <laughs> um, but uh, one of the tapes was a Superman compilation, the original sort of uh, uh, Fleischer Studios cartoons, which um, mm. very like impressively animated and, and incredibly well designed. And I'm sure also elements of racism there. Um, well, just just on that point, I later got the DVD 
of the complete Superman cartoons. Mm. And they they open with Whoopi Goldberg coming on screen and talking about how um, some of this content is really, uh, really racist, <laughs> yeah, especially around like World War Two. Yeah. And um, but it is better to show it in its context than to pretend it never happened. Yeah. And, you know, you can you can say how much of a shill uh, Whoopi Goldberg is being to Warner Brothers or not, but like, I kind of agree. I don't want to. It's like, you know, delving a little bit into the current like Russian-Ukraine conflict. There's a certain degree of erasing Russian culture, which seems really weird and, and not connected to what's happening now. But uh, moving swiftly on. <laughs> um but the other videotape we had uh, included some Flip the Frog um, animations. Oh, yes. Which were... I think we watched the Superman a bit more than Flip the Frog, yeah. actually, when we served. But uh, it was interesting because I, I decided to actually look up Flip the Frog because I thought it was like a forgotten animated icon. But that was um, actually animated and created by Ub Uwerks, I think is the name of the person. And he was the original animator of Steamboat Willie and Skeleton Dance. So he was like... Uh-huh. In with Disney, big time, he sort of co-designed the Mickey Mouse character and then went off to do um, his own thing. But I think also, like, in the final episode, I think there's a Flip the Frog cameo. Did you spot... What, in Cuphead? Yeah, did you see those, like, I think Flip the Frog is in the queue um, for the cinema or something at that point. And there's no. a frog in a oh, red sorry. bow tie. <laughs> Spoilers for the Cuphead show. There's a frog in the queue <laughs> for the cinema. So, you know. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. We'll do a, do a proper spoiler <laughs> um, warning later. Um, but it was just, it was, it was funny just kind of like sort of thinking about those kind of early animated shorts and in relation to this animation. And just, I think some of the criticism that's been had with this show, and I think unjustifiably, is people saying, oh, I watched the show and, oh, they didn't do everything hand-drawn, animated, and it doesn't look identical to the games. And it's like, that's, it's a very different prospect having a looping animation of a boss fight where you can maybe afford to do a sort of hand-drawn frames and then doing a whole raft of a TV series of like 15-minute episodes where these characters will have so many different adventures and activities and dialogue and... Yeah, I think it's like really I mean, disingenuous. Yeah, the man who, um, the director of those Mickey Mouse shorts, who also worked on Cuphead, he was talking about how such a big difference it is in those shorts. Those Mickey Mouse shorts are about three minutes long, and the Cuphead show, each episode is about 15 minutes. Yeah. So it's pretty different. And also, you know, as, yeah, I, I for me, I, I noticed the change. But, you know, I have to admit, I, I was blown away when I learned that the animation of the video game was literally hand-drawn. Mm. The only thing they did digitally was the colours, and that was because they specified they did do a test where they did do cell painting as well, cell animation, and it was absolutely identical if they did it digitally. So they, they said, let's save ourselves five years <laughs> and yeah. do it digitally. But, so, But, but um, by doing it in a computer, it gives you more of a repertoire for camera movements and things like that as well so i think i think it looks i think it looks great there's no denying that it feels like i don't know how much the budget was but it feels like a lot of money went into this or you know, a lot of care went into this and a lot of um i think they they chose they made their choices on how much they wanted to honor 
the animation styles and then how much they want to cheat it. And I say cheat quite generously because I think they, by cheat, they would just decide, well, we'll take this technique from the 40s rather than keeping ourselves locked into the 30s. That's that is as much as cheating as they did. And I, th- I think there's like a, a difference between as well, there's like, they put a layer of kind of film grain on it. They put a layer of like little spec marks or whatever. So it looks like an old, um, you know, cine reel film mm. or whatever. So, you know, th- those are the sort of things which are added on to create the texture, um, which is maybe sort of more artificial. But then they also do, you know, very painterly backgrounds. Um, they do that uh, technique, which the Fleischer Studio cartoons did, where they have this rolling stop motion actual set, three-dimensional mm. background, and then animate on top of that. So it creates this really like depth of field. And um, they sort of implement that like a few times, which is... Um, it's noticeable. It stands out, but in a, like a really lovely way. And again, it, it it makes it sort of feel like that era, without then necessarily having to be like a sort of slavish representation and identical one to one. And it reminded me of just how in the nineties, cartoons hark back to the thirties in their own way because you had stuff like Ren and Stimpy, you had stuff like Animaniacs which are very much like, you know, the Warner Brothers and the Warner Sister Dot. Um, They are, you know, your classic sort of rubber hose looking style animated characters. Isn't the plot of Animaniacs that they were from like the 30s and they're locked in a tower? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, my my wife walked in while watching Cuphead and she said, why do they look like the Animaniacs? And it's like, ha ha ha. (laughs) But I think (laughs) it's just, yeah, I think it's nice that as as fresh and, and different as the show looks now, cartoons, kids' cartoons, because this is for kids, really. Um, yes, you rated. Yeah, it's, it's a kids' cartoon. But kids' cartoons, and I think the people who make them and animators, they love those 30s stuff. They love those animations from the 40s, those cartoons and stuff. So even if some of the shows don't look like Cuphead does. You get these little flashes of them in those, in the animations and animated series, like your Cartoon Network stuff, your Nickelodeon stuff, even stuff like SpongeBob SquarePants has just those expressions and springy kind of cartoon faces, which you can see definite references to those past animations. Yeah, I'm I'm not an expert on... Like the, it feels like I'm always at, on the sidelines of what's moving and shaking in the animation world. Um, partly because I feel, I feel that for me it's quite difficult to find um, where to watch these shows. Um, but my, so speaking as somebody who's only has a very limited knowledge of what's of things like um, Steven Universe, and I'm trying, just trying to think of other big shows. Um, for me, I really felt that the 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 tone of the humor of this show was like the '90s era of like Steven Spielberg presents Tiny Toon Adventures, The Animaniacs, things like that. Um, 
because I went on record when we did our preview of the year and that the trailer for this had come out and had real reservations about the style of the humour. And I think I actually said how weird it was that the show was making such attempts to look like 30s animation, but the style of the humour didn't seem like 30s animation humour. But having watched this, I really realised that the Cuphead video game, it looks like a 30s cartoon, but its content is more like an 80s and 90s run-and-gun video game. Um, this looks like the 30s, but is more like a 90s animation, at least to me, because it has very short stories, which just rely on normally just one concept done very well, and they're focused on this one joke, and they is very, very often just extended sketches or or like one of my favorite episodes um like involves like a baby being left on the doorstep which is uh, you know a complete sitcom trope but it's just a continual escalation and with this sort of odd couple duo which uh feels like again very like a classic setup it's it was just doing a lot of stuff I was familiar with in this 1930s setting. And I just, I just really gelled with it. And so I ended up really enjoying myself. Yeah. I, I think what it captures is um, both from a sort of thirties where a lot of those cartoons have an anything goes attitude. So even though our titular character Cuphead and Mugman, and they live in a teapot house with their sort of, um, caregiver uh or elder <laughs> i think elder kettle. i think i read that the only stipulation the original creators had about what needs to translate was that just don't explain why they live with elder kettle mm. <laughs> and i like that i think it's just like yep yeah, that's just the setup but you have that you have that sort of setup but then, yeah there's no sort of explanation and you're in a world where anything goes where you know you have animals and um different creatures and inanimate objects but all able to talk and speak um there's this real kind of anarchic slapstick uh, heavy energy to the whole thing and that simple setup as you say like cuphead is a little stinker he is um like the quintessential rascal and you have mugman who's the more nervy anxious brother and both of them i was not I, I, when I first sort of, yeah, when I saw the first trailer, I was like, I'm not sure that's how I imagined Cuphead and Mugman to speak. But I think very quickly you get on with the voice and then realize that's sort of perfect. They have this New York or maybe New Jersey, I don't know the difference, but like sort of wise guy, street urchin style manner of speaking. And I, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. Well, I also liked. Their their difference, the difference between the two brothers. I mean, in the game, it's just a, a palette swap yeah. because you can play the game single player or multiplayer. And there are some. Um, I'll, I'll I'll delve into the differences of the plots in a bit, but um, there are some. There is an introductory, um, I would say, slides setting up the story. Um, so that you do get some characterization there. But what I quite enjoyed about their brotherly relationship in the show 
is that they were peas in the pod, but I think their main difference, as well as his nerves, I think Mugman, I, I think Cuphead lives in the moment all the time, but Mugman has a little bit more foresight and he's just a little bit more emotionally intelligent. Um, but, you know, I like that. They, they both get into mischief. I don't think he's a total dweeb, uh, Gold Bugman. No, they both like ice cream and explosions and... Yeah, he might think twice about it, but it won't take long before Cuphead convinces him. Actually, having fun is more fun than worrying about the consequences. Um, yeah, I think yeah. going going back to that baby episode, um, and there's there is it does have a sort of I don't know how to explain my some of my, one of my favourite types of humour is basically a complete lack of subtlety. So I think that episode begins with Elder Cattle leaving. And he says, I have two rules, no fighting and don't touch my radio. It is my most prized object. Yeah. <laughs> and I like the idea of him, A, having a prized object, but like B, he closes the door and immediately Mugman and Cuphead start fighting and there they stop and they go, why are we fighting? And, they were, and it's like, because we were told not to. And I don't know. There's, there's just... I, I like the unpretentious humor and ta- and taking a lot of pleasure, a lot of joy into just just acting. Yeah, I and I think that's also with the sort of elder cattle character is that with these cartoons, you sort of need a kind of now don't do this sort of yes. thing. And he's also like a very much boys will be boys, and you just it's like doesn't add. You don't necessarily need that, but I think it, it's it's not only just like a very a handy trope to sort of explain things or in the case, as you said, like why are we fighting? Cause we're told not to just like subvert that sort of expectation. But I think it's mm-hmm. also just, you can have fun with that. And I think I really enjoyed the elder cattle uh, character because his main preoccupations is mainly just trying to get some sleep. <laughs> That's obviously yeah. like a perfect comic thing where it's just like knock it off boys you don't just have that attitude um i mean there's well i think one of his biggest episodes is when he keeps hearing through a door um cuphead and and um mugman apparently deciding that how long how soon elder kessel has to live and whether and how they're going to bury him and and maybe putting him out of his misery and you know with you absolutely know because you've seen the story a hundred times before, and oftentimes they're like quite serious dramas as well. It's just a trope that's used again and again. Yeah, the classic and again and again. comic misunderstanding. Yeah, exactly. They're not talking about Elder Kettle. They've got a pet earthworm for some reason, and you know we learned that quite late in the episode. But it's it's just there's just so much. There is a lot of pleasure in having your expectations met with such a joyful relish. It's just. Yeah, you know, it's just joyful is the only word for it. I think, yeah, it's it's meeting those expectations, but because it knows that this is a classic comic trope, and yeah, obviously, if there are kids watching, they may not have had this. This might be the first time they've had this concept of like the grand comic misunderstanding, and you know, mm. find it hilarious. But then I just liked the the performance, the characterization, the expressions, and the fact that even though this is like a use certificate show um it just decides to like plow in very dark intense directions when it wants to so 
the fact that, you know, it's very sad when Elder Kettle thinks that they're going to potentially, like, make it, like, kill him quick and painlessly and bury him <laughs> in the back garden. Um, <laughs> but also then it kind of, like, flips on that and Elder Kettle decides to plot to kill the boys and like starts to booby trap the place and like comes after them with a sword. Um, mm. And it just sort of like, okay, so <laughs> it's like, you're going to have well, to get through me. I'll kill you first. I mean, I'm not saying they couldn't have got away with that if it hadn't been a precedent, but I th I'd like to think that because they're so influenced by these often incredibly dark cartoons from a hundred years ago, they can say, well, this exact plot happened in this old cartoon mm. and I grew up fine. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this goes to dark places because like the game, um, maybe the plot is kicked off with Cuphead losing his soul to the devil. And this is where the game and the show digress slightly because I say slightly um, in the game, the reason why you're doing all these boss battles is to collect the soul contracts from the defeated bosses. So you effectively become a mercenary for Satan himself. And again, that's perfectly in keeping with the, a lot of the tone of his old cartoons where you're like, you're, 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 you're begging to not suffer eternal damnation. Um, but the show is, the the cuphead soul is still being owed to be collected by collected by the devil but i found quite refreshingly it only does maybe four episodes about that in the 12 episode run mm. um so you get to have a nice mix of i mean i was thinking about how we did arcane league of legends a few weeks ago or a few episodes ago and there was so much plot in that i got so tongue-tied trying to explain it all here like they just return to it for a few episodes, but most of the time it's Cuphead and Mugman getting in shenanigans, and he's not. I wonder if that's something we're going to leave for a series two, um, or the second part of the series. But um, Mug basically, Cuphead is not hunting down people to collect their souls. There's it's not an action show. I think there would have been a real um, desire to turn this into an action show because he's always running around shooting things in the game. Yeah, he's but kind of here... like clicking his fingers. It seems like a very odd, <laughs> like, yes, sort of uh, Trying... way to do that run and shoot thing. Although sometimes they're in biplanes, right? And... Yes, yeah. And so, again, <laughs> that, well, here's the thing. I mentioned earlier how I hate R-type type stuff. Um, and those flying sims are very much, those flying bits of the game are very much R-type, but it's the charm of the animation. And I think, as I told you, it doesn't feel unfair. There isn't so much bullet hell. And um, also the bosses often change to different things. If you die like a few times, you'll see different variations of that boss. So it still keeps you playing just out of interest of what's coming. And there's a few of the bosses in the show, right? There's like King Dice... It's yes. one of the bosses. Um, you have croaks and ribs, is it, or ribbits? Or... There's sort of two frogs, gangster frogs, gangster frogs with the with the boxing gloves, and there's a sort of veggie patch. There's like the potato and the carrot and the onion. Um, mm -hmm. There in the game too. There, there might be more, but as I said, I've not got that far into 
the, yeah. <laughs> into the game yet. Um, but yeah, I think I think so. It's the show is 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 dark. You know, there's a whole episode set in the cemetery, and you know, there's, there's skeletons. There's there's a good level of spookiness, and kids love spookiness. But I think one thing I've become aware of is like things like for some reason you can't mention hell in a cartoon. So you'll have like the devil they keep calling him the devil and I, I love how whenever he pops up carpet usually jumps out into mugman's arms and goes ah the devil and eventually to the annoyance of the devil it's like yes 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 it's me um but yeah we see the devil in a fiery cave but i don't think we ever say the word hell and stuff like that they, yeah there's a line they they don't cross yeah it definitely goes i think it plays with it as much as they are maybe allowed to um and even like the opening music sort of mentions that the show if you're looking for fun with a dash of heebie-jeebies um Mm -hmm. and this definitely has that and i think the ghosts ain't real episode where cuphead and mugman are found trapped in a graveyard i think that's like one of my favorite episodes of the run just because it does hark back it does literally have the skeleton dance it has it goes into some weird areas and it goes a bit kind of like pink elephants dumbo um style thing at one point and i also love this the sort of how they emerged from a cinema having watched hideous zombies i think it's called but just this kind of like the positivity about walking through the creepy graveyard and just being like ghost ain't real and just like event just suddenly like not able to keep in anymore and just completely cracking because of how terrifying it is oh yeah they they keep talking about how ghosts aren't real as they get visibly more terrified yeah yeah. i think that's just uh again just like a really nice bit of performance a nice bit of kind of character expressions and, and animation um and yeah there's a lot of fun you can have with with spooky ghost stuff are not as scary as I thought they'd be. I'm proud of you, Muggsy. You only needed to change your pants three times. A new record. Oh, it's getting late. If we're gonna make it home before dark, we better take a shortcut through the old creepy cemetery. Nothing scary about that. Not to a record breaker like me. Atta boy, Muggsy. a lot of tombstones. Uh Uh-huh. Wow, really starting to get dark now. Some might find that unsettling, but not me. Good thing we're both so brave. I can't think of a time I've been less scared. Nothing scary about a graveyard. It's just a yard. Yards are for playing. We have a yard at home. We should vacation here. We should live here. I never want to leave. But um, yeah. So like the devil stuff, it does can get quite intense and and scary at points. Um, but I I have to say I wasn't very enamored with the devil and hell. And I think there's I think the first episode actually is maybe as is the case with a lot of pilots, pretty weak. Um, 
I do get that you have to sort of set up the characters and maybe if I went back to watch it again, I'd be more on board with it. But even though this kind of this arc where the devil is out for Cuphead's soul, only, as you say, makes up maybe a third of the episodes of, of this first um, run. And those, those two episodes, I think the first one's called Sweater Off Dead. Um I actually, I personally really enjoyed those pair of episodes, but that that also is like the only I would say two parter. Yeah, <laughs> like it's like a mini arc, isn't it? I think my issue is that as much as I enjoy the the plane with the tropes of, as I say, the relationship between Cuphead Mugman and Elder Kettle, I I'm quite tired of the whole "I'll get you, Cuphead" sort of stuff that I've seen before, and like the henchman character stickler the kind of accountant demon it's 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 playing with that kind of little g boss and um oh i'm gonna you didn't collect all this show um <laughs> it's like uh i i know what it's doing but i'm i'm just like i i've seen it a lot and it's it it doesn't do enough whereas the other stuff i think it does like enough fresh stuff with it the hell and well not hell um, but the, the devil stuff was like, uh, you know, I know it's for kids and they haven't watched as many cartoons as I have. Um, but I just, um, I felt like that was the show kind of going through the motions and having to kind of justify like its existence by having some story which mirrored the games. Yeah. I mean, I get what you mean. I do. Um, it's funny how we're talking about show, which is this whole reason Detra is to replicate things from the past. Um, I do, I agree when you say that the other stuff seems to be more fresh. And I did rub against this sort of nerfed devil a little bit because the devil's done so much. Is he's like Dracula, um, <laughs> and so you know you've seen your absolute epitome of all evil, which is going to be a bit of a one note, and then. I think it's weirdly this devil. So like that that particular episode, Sweater Off Dead, he wants to celebrate himself and have a big old party because of all the work he does. But one of the you know, demons in the party is like, what's this all about again? And the other demon goes, I don't know, but we haven't had a break in 3,000 years. So just go of it. And so he's kind of like the ineffectual boss type character and the... He, he feels like he can't celebrate because this accountant called Stickler keeps telling him, no, you need to collect this one last soul. So, yeah, it feels like a very similar character. And his voice performed very well, but quite Tim Curry-esque. And again, you just can't help but feel, oh, he's like doing a, you know, Tim Curry played Darkness in Legend, but that feels very much like a Rocky Horror voice or Rocky or Frank of voice. Anyway, what, the thing is, so yeah, I do agree. It didn't annoy me enough not to enjoy the episode, but I thought there's also so much good stuff in that two-parter because the whole plot, as the name suggests, revolves around this magical sweater made out of invisible wool, which which is knitted out of brotherly love and is the only thing which can protect Cuphead. And so there's quite a lot of humour in how we're knitting this magical artifact that no one can see. And there's some fun animation when the Cuphead's pulling it on and like his head's squeezing through this invisible like neck hole. Um 
And then there's a run of gags where the devil keeps trying to take Cuphead's soul and getting zapped and then does all these really obvious ways of tricking him. And it goes back to this unsubtle humor thing, like um, like the devil decides to create a, a carnival and... Oh no, actually, I'll go back. There's a great line when the devil's like, I'll give you 10 bucks to take off that sweater. And Cuphead's like, whoa, 10 bucks. And Mugman goes, hey, your soul's worth more than 10 bucks. To which Cuphead replies, hey, you're right. Give me 20. <laughs> and um, then they go to this carnival and there's a no sweaters allowed sign. And it's just like all this plainly obvious tricks. And I think in the second episode, they discover a fairground ride and on the advert it says it goes so fast it rips your clothes off mm. and, then, <laughs> uh, and the devil reads that and he's like oh this ride this could help me out and then when mugman sees the advert he rips the advert out of the paper removing that cautionary line about the clothes so and i had a lot of love about those two episodes but i think i guess i guess what i'm get, i think what we can both agree on is that I think we would like the show less if it was just about this story, yes, about a long form story. And I quite, I was, I think when we weren't sure if we we're going to do this uh, show on our podcast because we've done a lot of TV shows, they're a big commitment. But I did recommend that you watch the first two episodes, and I think you could see the first episode sets up the overarching plot, such as it is. And the second episode is just them pissing about with a baby. <laughs> so... Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's funny because like I think when it's a when it's a live action TV show, they call them bottle episodes, isn't it? Where mm. for budgetary reasons they do a sort of limited thing, and maybe that's the case also with uh, animated series too. But I think my favorite episode Less backgrounds required. Sure, sort of yeah, but I think my favorite episode was probably Handle with Care because. In that episode, um, I think the boys are fighting again and Mugman's handle breaks off. And what I liked about it was it was very self-contained, but also very specific to these characters and to the show because it kind of gets into the idea of like, oh, these are literally cups. (laughs) Um, And I think later on it's revealed that they've got milk inside their heads because they dunk cookies in their heads. So I assume it's milk, but... You know, there's no real other explanation for their existence, just like you have talking telephones and elephants and all sorts in the rest of the show. Um, But what I liked about it was it really kind of played into the concept of what these characters were. It was very self-contained, but also it has that escalation of trying to kind of stick the handle back on and Cuphead's trying to rack his brains what glue is. Um... (laughs) And they just get in, you know, they try honey and then a bear attacks them. And it's just, it had that real classic cartoon uh, aspect to it. But then also this like slightly weird body horror style kind of angle to it. And just how repulsed everyone is by like seeing this person with a, a handle missing. And he's just like, I don't want to be called bowl boy. Um, and then just getting into this weird concept where it's just like, that's just your baby handle. 
and you'll <laughs> you'll grow yourself a manhandle soon enough. And just the fact that they're using the phrase like manhandle, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I I felt that was the show at its. It had that kind of like the weirdness, the darkness, um, the playfulness, and the wackiness and stuff. And I I feel like that's like the best sort of self-contained episode of the show. Mugman, I'm sorry I screamed in horror at the mere sight of you, but it just took me by surprise. Oh, but gosh, you boys are just growing up so fast. Your bodies are going through changes. <laughs> I should have known. It's about time your baby handles fell off. Baby handle? Baby handle? Why, yes, your baby handles. <laughs> I still remember the day I lost my baby handle back when I was but a wee little kettle. I was in the middle of brushing my tiny little toothy when, to my surprise, it happened. Darn it if my baby handle didn't just pop right off. Like all good boys, I knew that when your baby handle falls off, why, that means you're getting a visit from the Handle Fairy. So I put my baby handle under my pillow and waited. over to my bedroom mirror, and there it was, my shiny new manhandle. Ah, youth. <laughs> Boy, hit a cup it. I'm getting a manhandle. Hey, I want a manhandle. Well, I guess that saves the handle fairy a trip. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, again, I I couldn't... It's that thing where I couldn't write down all the choice lines. Again, for some reason, I wrote in my notes. I think it's, again, at that carnival which had the no sweater sign. I think the thing which really attracts them in there is a carny, who's obviously the devil, says, and now we've got a big squirrel. And they go, big squirrel? We've got to see how big the squirrel is. Mm. <laughs> it's just like, in this magical world they live in, the prospect of seeing a giant squirrel is what really appeals. Yeah. And I, I think... Again, it's like the sort of the characterization, and I do like how in the King Dice episode where it's sort of Cuphead is on stage and is invited to take part in this game show because King Dice is working with the devil, so it can get his soul that way. Um, but just the constant, you know, Bugs Bunny style, like really annoying the host and like trying to tell these this joke and about, you know, two clowns are... Uh, no. Can't really tell the joke. <laughs> Two cannibals are eating a clown and he's trying to work out and remember what the punchline is and just, you know, I like that kind of tension where you have a slightly sort of idiotic but um, character in Cuphead but having that sort of annoying child antagonising someone who's just trying to get on with stealing his soul but can't because yeah. he's being has to put up with this shtick the great the tension of the episode is that this is a fictional game show created 
which is so easy to win, but the winners, they all get dumped into this room and then they get taken to hell or not hell. And and so when Cuphead arrives, despite it being supremely easy, he keeps failing and it's just really, it's just, again, it's a great little bit where this, you know, <laughs> he's being unlucky in this game, but it's giving him all the luck in the world because he's not going to have his soul taken. So, uh, yeah, I mean, what, yeah, it's just um, maybe I'm just standing in awe of it a little bit. So uh, I don't know how much there is more to say. I think another beautiful thing is that these are 15 minute long episodes. So you actually can watch the whole season in about three hours or so. Yeah, it would be a different proposition if it was, yeah, like watch the first couple of episodes of this 20 episode show uh of each episode sort of 60 minutes long i mean i don't know how many episodes in the halo show there are um and i don't know even when it's going to be shown or where in the uk yet but let's wait and see on that one (laughs) bring bring it right back around bad headlines just bad internet journalism i read like this is not our opinion because you've not seen the show but i read a article or a review, I think, was on Wired, which said uh, the Halo TV show is being sent to the pile of terrible video game adaptations. And then the article went on to say that there's never been a good video game adaptation. And I'm just sat here thinking, I've just watched the Cuphead show. Arcane was great. Um, Uncharted was mm, okay. Successful. <laughs> but, you know, successful. Successful, yes. But I mean, again, I can't believe in this day and age there are still people writing articles as if there's never been any decent video game adaptations when I'm actually finding it difficult to choose now what's my favourite. I think um, I think going forward it'll be more like the average rather than saying, oh, it's the video game curse. It's just like, on average, video game movies don't work. It's just like, okay, that's because there's so many of them. But maybe eventually the average will go up and then they'll say like, as you know, most movies adapted from video games are actually quite good. (laughs) Yeah, and maybe that's just um, most... I don't know. I I do my film reviews on Letterboxd still, and I think the vast majority of stuff I watch is like four stars and up because... I'm quite good at deciding what I'd like to watch. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess this uh, season finishes off on a cliffhanger. And we should probably yes. maybe just talk uh, finally about the last episode in Charm's Way, which also introduces the character of Miss Chalice, who um, this is her first, I guess, appearance in the Cuphead universe, but she is revealed to be a playable character in the forthcoming Delicious Last Course, aka DLC, which is due to come out on 30th of June, I believe. Mm-hmm. So she has been revealed, and but this is her first um, outing as a character on the show. Now, I'm going to sound really controversial here, but like, I, I really didn't like her that much. <laughs> and But I think, again, it's really tricky because the show is pretty much a sausage fest. <laughs> if you can imagine that, um, let's, Cuphead not, and Mugman. let's not imagine. <laughs> let's, let's not imagine that. Uh, I don't know what those straws are meant to represent, but Chalice has one as well. So whatever, but on, on the, on the limited amount of time we get to spend of her, um, it felt like it 
messes with the formula i think it's that the odd couple is not an odd triple so so we'll see no room for girls it's yeah that's the thing it feels like i'm saying no room for girls i think i quite liked her episode and the whole point of the episode is how she's so charming she can get away with anything so um and they didn't go down that i mean when you introduce a lady in character into a show like this you half expect the two brothers to like fall for her and they don't in fact Mugman is slightly irritated by her because she seems to get everything for free mm. and then she sings a song about she turns up the charm that's how she gets stuff and and there's actually really funny scenes when cuphead and Mog- Mugman feel they they've learned from her and they try and charm a bear and the bear is like not impressed and he's he's also a security bear and he's slowly taking his truncheon out to give him a whack on the head <laughs> so it's it was good but i i don't um <laughs> this is harry's 12 episodes in he's already like really don't he doesn't want to change <laughs> and i'd be worried if um she became a main character but we'll see i guess the other thing is yeah like i said this leaves on a cliffhanger to be continued so we know there'll be a resolution um but i think the sort of states are like raised well i say raised i mean they are being chased by the devil that's pretty high stakes um but i think the fact that we now have after all their tomfoolery cuphead and mugman in jail i can't believe how elder kettle's gonna blow his lid when he finds out um, but also it's revealed that Miss Chalice is a ghost or has ghostly powers because she disappears through a wall. Um, it's the same animation as when Cuphead envisages his soul being taken. Mm. So she, might, she, she maybe she's it's a, a soul escaped from the devil. Yeah, maybe so. But uh, I'm sure questions will be uh, answered um in in the next jj J. abrams what have you done to storytelling <laughs> with your mystery box or mystery cup yeah let's hope so um but yes i'm i'm looking forward to watching more episodes when they arrive i don't think we'll necessarily be checking in and doing future episodes of the podcast on cuphead show but just just know that we are probably watching and enjoying them just as much as we were watching and enjoying these ones having a discussion about them without without you listening into our conversation unless it suddenly goes rapidly downhill and um completely changes the fabric of the relationship between cuphead and mugman and it's like now it's 90 percent just the devil <laughs> let me get this straight you mean to tell me you two couldn't get a cookie jar from a sleeping old man? Look, lady, can you fix them or not? Of course, but I don't like your tone. <laughs> Kindly turn that down. I hate music. We're not playing music. When you're blue and feeling down, you gotta spread that sunshine all around. You gotta turn that frown upside down and sail across the rainbow. When the world is saying no, don't waste your time feeling low. Click your heels, go, 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 and dance across the rainbow. What the heck was that? 
so two two thumbs up from Mugman and Cuphead here. I won't say who's who, but in the meantime, okay. how can people keep in touch with games on film? Thanks, Boreda. We're on social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Games on Film Pod. So please do follow us there for all the information about the latest video game, movie, news, and relevant ephemera. Our website is gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast. All episodes of the show are on Anchor. Yes, we've moved to anchor.fm. So look up anchor.fm slash gamesonfilm to find links to all the episodes. We're also on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Acast, so please do like, rate, review, share, and subscribe. You can also contact us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com, and I myself am on Twitter at Rory Steele. I'm at only man who can. And the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. Thanks very much for listening. Take care. Bye.